Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Kaiju Curry House, part of the Heroes Podcast Network. We're three guys in the UK producing a fortnightly podcast full of kaiju goodness. I'm one of your hosts, Paul, and joining me today we have Joe. Howdy there. And Alex. Good evening. Today our main discussion will be why are you a kaiju fan? Um, That seems like a natural starting point and it's a great opportunity for us to learn um, about our individual tastes. But before we get into that, let's define what a kaiju actually is. Uh, up until recently, I thought a kaiju was Japanese for giant monster, um, but I think Joe and Alex know what it actually means. So, you guys, do you want to enlighten me? Uh, go on, Joe. Let's start with yourself. All right. As I understand it, kaiju translates through, in, into English at least, as strange beast. So it could really cover all manner of sci-fi monstrosity and sense but what i think a lot of people really interpret it as is a traditional pseudimation or old school monster movies um but for me i mean personally i tend to go with what the direct translation is which is strange beast yeah and i feel like creature feature is uh another great uh coin term that you can use to describe the films that we like okay yeah yeah i don't know what's it mean to you alex yeah so it's not necessarily japanese is it then no. It's just a Japanese word. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's a Japanese word that kind of the, the world has now stolen and applies it, as, as, especially kind of with the, the rise in popularity of uh, Pacific Rim. I mean, um, yes, obviously there's the undertones of the kind of the nod to Japanese kaiju, but I think it's it's much more, more broadly understood now. I, I've always gone with strange beasts, but I, I did like the term that uh, Joe used there about suitmation, which I'd only just discovered the other day. I think with reference to uh, Ray Harryhausen, isn't it? Dynamation and stop uh, motion. Stop motion. Yeah, oh, Ray Harryhausen, yeah. yeah. But I, th- I mean, like, I think the reason that we all get hung up on kaiju to a degree, I mean, when you think about it, um, every culture in the world has large strange monsters somewhere you have dragons you have trolls you have i don't know how big kappas get that's japanese one but i think it was the japanese film industry that took kaiju films large strange monster films and ran with it you know i don't think any culture um that produces films 
has really taken it to the extreme that the Japanese film industry has. And I think that's why it's so associated with them. They have done the most marketing. They've come up with the most iconic creatures, arguably. And that's why we call it the kaiju genre, because, you know, it's more or less in honor of them because they have been so instrumental in creating it and keeping it going. And I think in terms of sheer volume of films that they put out, I mean, there were numerous decades where they would release just one film after the next. And that was just the Toho Studios. Um, you had Gamera being released by Dai, and they were also releasing film after film. So there was just tons being pumped out there. Kind of almost like a, a Bollywood-esque level of production. Just always something going on. Always another film being made. The production never stops. Yeah. And, but anyways, for listeners that are tuning into our podcast, um, we're not really going to draw a hard line between Japanese films, American films, or necessarily what creatures are in those films. If it's a strange beast, if it's a creature feature, we dig it. We like it. Old school special effects, new school special effects and CGI. We are just happy to have these films. So if you like that sort of yeah. thing, you're so going to So we just like us. creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. We like creatures here. Cool dudes. So, so what have we got in play? What have we got in store tonight? What is the layout of the show? What's happening? Well, I believe we're going to take it in turns discussing why we're a kaiju fan. Yeah, what I think we were going to go for is we have three hosts, and we're going to divide it between fifteen minutes each, and we're just going to kind of go through our individual um, growing pains, growing loves with the genre, and how we got to the point of three guys discussing giant monster movie films at 9 p.m. for your listening pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, uh, Paul, you are our host. Who's going first, matey? Oh, yeah? Oh, thanks very much. Um, Right, so why am I a fan? I mean, obviously because Kaiju are awesome. That goes without saying. Um, but I suppose like many people, or many kids, you grow up and you find out about dinosaurs. And it turns out they were real. And that just blows your mind that there's these amazing creatures that once walked the earth. Still, so still walk the earth watching... and fly. Still... <laughs> okay, they're not quite the same now. But still, yeah. They're, they're, they're out there somewhere. And... You know, you get the toys, you get the books. You, it just, it's just amazing that you see that. And I think because you love that, or because I love that, um, you start to watch films with dinosaurs in, like um, Land That Time Forgot and all those types of things. And that leads you then on to slightly other ones, like um, Mysterious Island and things that, still, that have dinosaurs or lizards with things stuck to their heads yeah. before there was animal cruelty laws. Um, <laughs> at which point, they're not really dinosaurs anymore. They're they are kaiju, aren't they? They're not. They're, they've taken so many liberties. Yeah. It's a strange beast. Kaiju. It works. I mean, it is, it is a, strange it's a strange beast. beast. Yeah. yeah, strange so beast. I've gone from watching a dinosaur film to a kaiju film. In, a, if you want to, if you want to talk about it from an evolutionary perspective, um, I mean, our mammalian ancestors, you know, like they did evolve at about the same time that the dinosaurs were first evolving, and like again. The whole dynasty of mammals that existed during that time period of dinosaurs are what every mammal today is ultimately descended from. 
So we are hardwired to have in our brains some sense of large, scaly, dangerous, not good. <laughs> but then if you want to, I mean, like, even if you don't necessarily subscribe to that, dinosaur fossils and large creature fossils in general are probably what inspired a lot of primitive cultures to create these fantastic myths with giant, ferocious creatures yes. in them. Like, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like in the Greek islands, um, there used to be pygmy elephants there, and the skulls of elephants, where the proboscis, the trunk comes out, there is a large gaping hole. If you were to look at it like a human face, there's just a large hole in the upper center, and they just immediately took that as, this is a cyclops. Hey! Really? Yeah, that's where that actually came from, or that at least that's theor- oh, wow. okay. that's strongly theorized where that came from. There's a lot of links to that. I mean, it's pretty easy to see how you know, like a theropod dinosaur. That's like the type of dinosaur that T. Rex, Velociraptor, all of those famous scary, runny, ichu type dinosaurs come from. And like you know, if someone found theropod fossils, you know, they're gonna think, oh, dragon. Or, you know, like, even if we want to make a much more simpler leap, or a much simpler leap, to use proper English, uh, crocodiles. So, I mean, you know, there are all sorts of ways to attribute dinosaurs as, you know, giving rise to this fandom. I mean, from a cultural standpoint, if not purely interest, sorry to totally hijack your turn there, Paul. (laughs) No, that's fine. But no, you're absolutely right. I think you start off with dinosaurs, and, you know, that just captures your imagination so much that you want to see more of these um, fantastic beasts. Um, and Every child plays with dinosaurs as a kid. Yeah, exactly. And then when your parents are watching, you know, Jason and the Argonauts, and you see more amazing creatures, like, oh, wow, what's this? And uh, that's yeah. it. So, I mean, I've got my parents to thank, really, for why I'm a kaiju fan, I guess, for buying dinosaur yeah. toys and watching awesome films when I was younger. I think a lot of... Well-meaning parents have come have, have had disastrous consequences for their well-meaningness. <laughs> <laughs> but then, because you you grow up on these types of films, there's always that nostalgia for you. So, oh yeah, yeah, grow, yes, growing absolutely. up, even if you go off it, I mean, it's like when you're ill and you want that, you know, you want the comfort food, you want a comfort movie. I'm going to go back to my childhood, so I'm going to watch one of these fantastic stop-motion or suitimation films. It's it's just what. I was brought up on. Yeah. And I don't think you can ever get rid of that. So I think I'm, you know, that's, you know, I'm always going to be a kaiju fan. It's it's baked into me somehow. Yeah. It's that familiarity. Yeah. Um, are you, indo- are you indoctrinating your children? What's that? Paul? Are you indoctrinating your children? Um, I have, my son's watched one Godzilla film to date with me. Uh, that was, what did we watch? Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 of all films for him to start off on and um he did enjoy it mm-hmm. he did get a bit upset at the ending when baby godzilla had to go away from the lady and join godzilla oh yeah um so that was quite sad because i turned at him and he was just like trying to hold back the tears bless him yeah so yeah i'm i'll slowly introduce him to more as he goes on i mean i was reading him like a godzilla book from before it's it's a phased program it, it's it, it's 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 a phase program that you, we need to kind of like write out an instruction manual for kind of this is the first film that you played and the next one. It's this like, would make for an excellent podcast subject. <laughs> it would actually, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Let, Definitely, let, yeah, make a note. Let, of that. Let's bank that and come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Parents, 
take note. <laughs> but much in the way that when parents kind of want to get their kids into anime, I think like uh, Studio Ghibli is a good entry route for that because it's still interesting and enchanting for the adult, but it has got that accessibility. So long as it's not great yeah. the fireflies. Actually, yeah, my, my parents love that. My daughter is a Totoro fan, and you know yeah. what? I love that giant gray squirrel too. <laughs> I know he's not a squirrel. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> my, my daughter's a Totoro fan as well, and I mean, there's an argument there that Totoro is a kaiju. Oh, really? Well, when we said about kaiju, is there anything about their size, or are they just strange it just creatures? Says strange creature. So it's all encompassing, but I mean, like. You gotta kind of draw a line somewhere. Well, that's it. Because I'm just wondering: Are Pokemon kaiju? They are pocket monsters. They are pocket monsters, Paul. They're pocket. They're monsters, yeah, aren't they? They're, they're um, just... they're, so... They are yokai officially. <laughs> yokai. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what's like... a yokai? Oh, what's, what's a yokai? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, a yokai and uh, Yue are like sort of almost cousins of this vague genre. So a yokai would just be to do with demons, really. So where they cross over, because obviously kaiju are demonic, certainly the likes of kind of Destroyer from the High Sai era. Um, and like, it gets very blurred, but yokai you more associate with kind of like goblins under the floorboards and things that jump out at you in the night. So um, yokai culture came about in Japan from uh, way back when, people trying to explain why the umbrella has just collapsed down on you. Oh, that's because there's a yokai trapped inside your umbrella. You know, why is there a creak of the floorboards? Oh, that's because there's a yokai dangling its tongue from the ceiling at you. That's why you get a shiver down your back. So that those are yokai. Um, whereas you, Alex, Alex, I'm gonna have nightmares tonight because I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm never gonna look at Pokemon the same yeah, way. Yeah, I'm but... never gonna. I mean, like every time I get like a tingle down my back, I'm gonna think that perverted yokai that lives in my room. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Uh, whereas UA is uh, what people associate with the ring and the grudge. That that's more spirit demon. But now we're officially off topic. This, this, yeah. We are, sorry. No, wait, yeah, this is Pikachu is a demon and you should fear it. <laughs> Pikachu's a demon. <laughs> right, let's reel it back into Snorlax. There you go. Yeah. Snorlax, Totoro, back in. Uh, right, so let's go, um, going back to Kaiju fandom. Um, so is Snubble like a really bad demon then? Is who? Snubble. Oh, Mr. Mime is a creepy one, too. You've got me, like, totally off. Yeah, I know. Mr. Mime is a yokai, most definitely. I mean, like, he is the devil. Yeah. We are revisiting this later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Paul, now both of the other hosts have hijacked your section, just so you're aware. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the crazy thing is, uh, for you listeners right now, Paul was actually worrying that you wouldn't have enough to talk about, and here we are, you know, we're coming up to our first break in a couple of moments, so uh, when we get back, Paul, you still owe us a bit more information, can you go through some of your favourite films? Alright, we're going to take a break and we're back in a moment. Hey everyone, this is Greg from Red Shirts and Runabouts, we're the resident Star Trek podcast as part of the Heroes Podcast Network group. If you love Star Trek and things science fiction, we're definitely the show for you. Join us every Thursday as we talk about Star Trek Discovery, the new Picard show, and other ongoing content and new creations from the Star Trek universe. 
if you want to find us, search Red Shirts and Runabouts Podcast on Apple and Google Play. And if you want to interact with us as a host, you can find us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. And we're back. Hopefully for all of our listeners that uh, enjoyed that brief break, they weren't thinking about Mr. Mime invisibly licking their back. Mr. But, Mime! Uh, no, dear. But um, Paul is now going to take us through some more of his kaiju fandom memories and where he uh, came from in this genre. Loving. Okay. Yeah, so I think the best way to start off with is my introduction to Godzilla. Uh, which was through my parents. So I have them to thank for my love of Godzilla films. Um, Back in the, I want to say, 90s, early 90s, late 80s, um, Channel 4 did the Creature Features. don't know if you guys remember that. I missed that. I don't remember the Creature Features. I might be too old. (laughs) You are old. Go on, anyway, you were saying. (laughs) I might be older. Anyway, yeah. So um, so it aired, um, it started airing off with um, Destroy All Monsters. Um, which I avoided because I was too scared. Um, I know I mentioned that before. Um, so the first Godzilla film that I saw was um, Monster Zero, or um, Invasion of the Astro Monsters, as it's known elsewhere. Uh, and that's actually, I was Googling it today, and that's 54 years old. It's just yeah. astounding. Is that old? And this year we're going to see Godzilla, Rodan, and King Ghidorah all in you know these amazing modern effect versions. So I can't wait for that. And it will be amazing. Um, that it will. It's gonna it will. be, yeah. It will be. Yeah, so that was my that was my introduction to Godzilla and because I joined then I had so many to catch up on. And obviously Channel 4 were airing them each week, so I just had like it was like a not quite binging because it was weekly, but you know, I got to see all these fantastic films, one after another. And if we could just tape them off the TV, because do that. And um when they ran out, it was just a bit sad because back then, before the internet you didn't have anything. Um, so I imagine lots of you, um, we had to go to places like Forbidden Planet to find um, a VHS release. And that that was all we could do. We had, in the, I grew up in the United States, um, for those who oh, can't yeah, hear so it in my you voice. Maybe yeah, had more. Well, it was interesting. So I, I'm just going to, again, hijack your moment here. And uh, I'm going to say that I had a very similar experience. So in the United States, we had, you know, there's the video rental stores, which I'm sure a lot of us grew up with, but, um, we had Suncoast video, which was one of my favorite video stores. And the thing was, is you could go to the video store and because again, you know, we were growing up in this time without internet and certainly at a time when kids were not allowed on the internet. Um, and maybe before a lot of us even were really getting into magazines because you usually start off pretty young in this fandom. And, um, I just remember going to the video store and like just hunting and there was usually like a new Godzilla or monster film that I hadn't seen before on VHS. And it became like a monthly thing with my father and I, you know, you could just, like, you know, that thrill of just investigating and seeing if you could find one always going past a video store. Is there another Godzilla movie that I don't know about? Because you know there were there are so many. It's it's it was a fantastic time to be alive. What can I say? Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, didn't you? I mean, I, we didn't have them here in the UK. Do you have you had drive-through cinemas, didn't you, in the states? Dry what? Were there drive-through cinemas? Oh yeah, um, drive-in cinemas. Um, unfortunately, I have yet to be to one of those. Uh, okay. I I lived in a town in the United States, and um, without giving away the location. Um, the uh, massive flood of 93 
wiped out the uh, drive through cinema, which was part of that town. So I missed it. That's terrible. I, oh. I just so yeah. much. And now instead of like yokai Pokemon films, mm. you know, with demons and everything, the, the cinema, like the giant silver screen, that giant, you know, projection surface that they have, it, it, it just says, um, Jesus saves and then, you know, has an address for a church and people see it when they're driving by, but it has like this massive parking lot and everything's still there. Wow. And it's one of those things where it's just like, come on guys, how much money would it take to just turn this back into a theater? Absolutely. Yeah. No I offense mean, to Jesus's message, but you know, like, no, definitely. <laughs> you might get locals. a bit more enjoyment out of that That's projection surface, you know, but I think, yeah. especially because, um, for myself, like being British, my, cliched understanding of americans is that you've all been to a drive-by cinema and that you, well yeah that's what i was thinking yeah and that you lived in the mall on the weekend did you at least <laughs> live in a mall those mall rats yeah oh. exactly yeah because Roma. yeah well rats. i mean going back like the suncoast video was in a mall so good okay yeah. right that's, that's fine and that's and fine. and and okay crucially it was next to a cinnabon yeah yeah do you brits know what a cinnabon is yeah, so we had a blockbuster, cin- uh, yeah, blockbuster video in town, and there was a cinema in town. Yeah, um, but the blockbuster, I don't think, really stocked Godzilla films, or if it did, there were very few. And the cinema, yeah, um, there weren't really big. Fin- I'm not big talking about a cinema. I'm talking about cinnabun, b-u-n, like a cinnamon roll. Oh, so, oh, well, like the ones you get at IKEA, okay. like a cinnamon bun. Yeah, like cinnamon rolls. They're the food of the gods, gentlemen. Um, are, they, are they a big deal outside of Sweden? Oh my god, I have right, so much okay. to teach you. You do, yeah. Well, oh, okay, yeah, if you say so. For all of you American listeners, Alex and Paul do not know what a cinnamon roll is, much less Cinnabon. I've, seen, is... them, I've seen them at Ikea next to the hot We dogs. need to like have a cultural... Intervention. Intervention, yeah. <laughs> Cinnabon, if you're listening to this, you need to sponsor this podcast immediately. <laughs> but yeah, Cinnabon, yeah. It, like, absolutely delicious. You know, very sugary, yeah. cinnamony, bunny. Yeah. It's, you know, like, it's like being a kid being allowed to have, like, yeah. a donut or something, you know? And it was right next to the Suncoast uh, video store. So my childhood was just, like, wondering the next wonderful moment that my parents had asked do you want to go to the mall and yes i do i want to go see suncoast get a nine dollar video and have cinnabon yay so then like i was high as a kite watching godzilla yay see i'm really taking i'm retaking the idea of um, doing a cultural exchange so that i can have the two of you up here in the north of england have you sat down for like a tea ceremony except you'll be trying a greg's pasty I thought that you were just going to pour, like, gravy on a DVD case, but, you know. Anyway. <laughs> Possibly relevant as well. Yeah. <laughs> little from column A, little from column B. Well, I, I, I don't know if I want to say I look forward to that or not. Yeah. Sounds interesting. It, it, it's funny, I think, your point, Joe, uh, that you made about how, like, generally speaking with this fandom, you come to it young. Because when I was making my notes earlier for the show tonight, I was thinking, like, when did I actually watch my first Godzilla film? And I can just sort of narrow it down to my first house uh, growing up. So that would have been the early 90s, early to mid, I think. And 
I don't know why I discovered it, because I think it was just taped on a VHS for me, but then it was also taped on the same VHS that had a Power Rangers episode on, like the original Super Power Sentai! Rangers. Yeah! Yeah, so, so there was definitely a theme going there of kind of just... Um, which I suppose is how I found Jet Jaguar so appealing, because to me, Jet Jaguar in... Um, Godzilla vs. Megalon and Power Rangers were indistinguishable. It's just kind of, it was a, a bloke who could fly, he did sort of vaguely karate moves and looked awesome. So, like, that that was kind of my entry. And so I was thinking about it, and it was it was definitely the mid-90s, sort of mid-early 90s, and it was the film Godzilla vs. Gigan, which would have come out in Japan 1972. So, like, how, how old's that? I'm there, Paul. What's that, sorry? How, how old? Um, 1972. I mean, you saying about just how old these films are, it's staggering. Oh, right, yeah. Because nobody here can add. Um, so that would have been, that's about four, 47 years old. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even the American Cut came out in 1977, which is still staggeringly old. But what I'm looking kind of, um, looking back now, I think following watching that film... I kind of started to scramble around to see what other Godzilla films there were, and the way I managed to kind of get my proper leap into the Phantom, I'd say, was when I had my GameCube console and I played the game Destroy All Monsters Melee. Have you ever played that? Oh yes. I love that game. Yeah, I, I think it's a tight little game, and the reason why it was kind of so important for me was the fact that I kind of... I loaded it up and thought, yay, a Godzilla game. And I looked, went, huh? What's that? What kaiju is that? What's that from? Huh? What's that? And then I was like, ah, I don't know those films. And then when Godzilla Unleashed came out for the Wii, it was like, what? What are all these? And, and the thing was, with kind of being fairly new to the genre and quite uneducated because I wasn't being exposed to these films, it was difficult to work out what was what. So, like, you know, asking myself, well, who is Biolante? What, what what film is that? You know, who is Varan? Who is Crystalak? And then it's like, oh no no, Crystalak's not actually from any Godzilla films. That's just that's just one that they made for that game. But it was all really unclear to me. And then on the extras of the um, Godzilla Unleashed game on the Wii, there was a trailer reel, and it was a trailer reel playing the famous Godzilla theme with kind of. A selection of maybe 12 classic films and that was the turning point it was a what how many films are there and then have it <laughs> you're like oh yeah exactly just that the penny the penny dropped much in the same way as after watching spirit away for studio ghibli i was like oh that was a good film i hope they release more uh you know how little did i know opened wikipedia whoa 20 years of films wikipedia is such a great tool you can it is one. yeah i mean like wikipedia like what a thing i remember the first time i discovered wikipedia i'm pretty sure that that was like hours of my life it's just like it doesn't end oh definitely it yeah. all links this is all interconnected illuminati whoa hmm. so on watching that trailer reel on godzilla unleashed i then started to kind of go okay rather than watching them uh, from start to finish I was like, okay, I'm going to pick out the films I want to watch based on which kaiju look the coolest. And that was when I made a beeline for uh, kind of watching the high sci movies around the uh, the mid-80s onwards. Because I was like, well, 
why is Biolante so much bigger? And um, why does Mechagodzilla look really shiny in that film? But the Mechagodzilla that I remember from the 70s film looked really sort of grimy and rusty. And Okay, I think, I think at this point, we just need to like differentiate like these time periods because we are all like super fan. But anybody joining this podcast might not know. Um, there are three, well, actually, I think we're going on four, like, classical monster eras now. Yeah. There's the Showa, and this is the classic stuff. This is, like, the obviously guys in a suit, can Mm. be a bit hokey, but they're the original, they're the iconic, and for many people, they bring out those warm, fuzzy, this is my childhood. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Then, you got... The Heisai, Hishi, there's lots of different ways that I've heard this pronounced. And I, I being an American, I must apologize. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but Heisai, Heisai. <laughs> I think um, we're all pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, I always worry about getting the names wrong, but I won't worry. In the 90s, I think, like, everything just went for a darker tone. Like, that was how to be edgy. So, like, yeah. in the early 90s... Superman died, Batman has back broken, and the Green Lantern lost his mojo, just to throw out some comic book stuff. And then Godzilla, in this era, it really started in the 80s for him, Mm. but um, they just went dark. And they got a little bit more colorful and a little bit more playful there towards the end, but then they went full circle and went dark again. And that was the Heisei um, time period, and that really, for Godzilla, you know, in, in the fandom ended at around 95 yeah and then you had um at least if you're going by the godzilla time period um you had the blip which was the 98 godzilla movie which we're not going to go into further detail because that is a podcast topic in and of itself yeah it absolutely is yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah and no 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 you're starting to talk about it you're starting to talk about it we're gonna leave that one and then you had godzilla 2000 or godzilla 1999 which kicked off the millennium series and with the exception of like one or two films they're all just alternate takes alternate universe just completely unrelated films all over the place yeah all over the place and then it ended in godzilla final wars where yeah which toho which is the company that produces the godzilla films just decided you know what we've kind of overexposed this fella a bit so that where they were going to take a break and then in 2014 we had legendary bring out the monster verse as it's now known godzilla with gareth edwards and then after that you know like we had kong skull island and we had uh shin godzilla godzilla resurgence um and you know like this is the new i mean like i want to call it the kaiju renaissance period that's a nice term for it it. feels like it doesn't yeah yeah i mean like that's we we also have pacific rim which has come out in this time period too i mean it's a great time to be a fan really yeah it is but the reason absolutely but the reason it's a great time to be a fan is because all the folks that grew up in the showa period and the high side period they're making films now and they're going back to what they loved growing up and you know Absolutely. it's great it's come full circle um we're gonna take a break now um just when i was getting excited thinking you're gonna say it's a great time to be a kaiju fan because we're doing this podcast but that would be a bit arrogant this early on <laughs> uh, right we'll see you in a moment hey everyone this is greg from red shirts and runabouts we're the resident star trek podcast as part of the heroes podcast network group 
If you love Star Trek and things science fiction, we're definitely the show for you. Join us every Thursday as we talk about Star Trek Discovery, the new Picard show, and other ongoing content and new creations from the Star Trek universe. If you want to find us, search Red Shirts and Runabouts podcast on Apple and Google Play. And if you want to interact with us as a host, you can find us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. And we're back. And I Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at tmobile.com. I was totally thinking about Mr. Mime linking my back again. Anyways, for those of us who are just tuning in or have left this podcast running while they're at work, um, we are Paul, Joe, and Alex, and we are talking about why we're kaiju fans. Um, Paul's elaborated on his... And Alex, we were really just getting through yours and uh, your yeah. formative experiences. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll start to tie it up. But like the main kind of things for me was beyond watching the uh, the three um, earlier Godzilla movies, which was Godzilla vs. Gigan, Godzilla vs. Megalon, and then Terror of Mechagodzilla. All good films, but that was quite limiting. It was then basically playing the GameCube games and the Wii games where I kind of discovered trailer reels and much in the same way whenever you play things like Mortal Kombat, you're like, oh, I wonder what character's going to be released or what skins that got. And you kind of, you're always hoping for more. But the fact was when I played uh, Godzilla Unleashed, I was like, I know maybe a fifth of these characters. I was completely out of my depth. And that was when I started to go, okay, it's time to educate myself. And um, yeah, that that brought me to the the darker era that you were referring to. Um, you were referring to Joe about the high side era, and um, it, it was a strange experience watching those films because the uh, the Godzilla that I'd kind of grown up loving, got that warm fuzzy feeling from in the Showa era through the sixties and seventies, was for the most part Godzilla was a hero, and he was kind of a bit goofy and it was very cheesy, but he was a good guy. Yeah, he knocked over yeah. stuff, but he was a hero. Whereas when you come to watch uh, the High Sai uh, movies, which they flow quite nicely one after the other, um, he's a bit of a menace. I mean, it it's pretty sinister as a character. Yeah, he's up against monsters such as Biolante and Destroyer, who are more of a menace. But he's still, you know, he's not great. He's, he's not good... he, yeah. I think the, I think the main synopsis of that string of films is we don't like godzilla at all but in many cases he was the lesser of two evils absolutely yeah yeah that's it but i think they needed to take it in a different direction didn't they 
they did. I think that's kind of the marketable tone that they've gone for with the the legend with the legendary. It's kind of a like uh, in the most recent trailer um, when you've got that line about kind of oh you want Godzilla to be our pet? No, we would be his. It's that damn straight. The incredible line, very quotable, but it's that feeling of the yeah, Godzilla is the alpha male in this, and yeah, he's going to muck you up. You know, they haven't discussed Godzilla's gender in the new films, Alex. Godzilla could be female. Say again? Godzilla could be female. You never know. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like, I've automatically gendered. Yeah, it's him. But no, you're right. We don't know. Yeah, it. Frankly, I don't want to check. But anyways. No, I'm not bothered. (laughs) Yeah. Um... What were your thoughts when you uh, watched the first Godzilla film, 1954, Gojira? Just very briefly. I mean, that's a podcast in itself, but like, just what did you think of it? Paul, you want to go first? Yeah, um, I thought, I think because I grew up with the, I want to say, more fun ones, it was strange watching a film that was, I don't want to say boring, mm. but it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, I can see, you know, you understand its significance, and now I'm older. Yeah. Um, it's I enjoy it, but I think when I was a kid, I watched. I was like, "Huh." Yeah. <laughs> in, in brief, that's what I thought. Yeah, you're just kind of like, "Huh." There's no other monsters in this one. Um, yeah. That's not really the vibe that I got from it. Um, Sixty-four years old. Yeah, but it, it's it's aged remarkably well. You see, yeah. for me as an American, that film means something different. You see, um, again, this is going into other podcast territory, but. Godzilla represents the United States in that film. Um, the reason that that film was made was because they couldn't they couldn't make a film about the United States dropping a bomb or bombs on Japan. Yeah. That was a MacArthur law, you know, like they couldn't make films about it. That was, that was propaganda that was not allowed. Now mm. it was inspired by the Lucky Dra- Dragon, the. Uh, radiation poisoning of the Japanese fish market, you know, all that stuff. But the reason, you know, that that film was the Japanese making a somewhat cathartic film about their relationship with the United States. Yeah. So for me, it means something a bit different now as an adult. But my, you know, to like kind of segue myself into my own section here, my childhood, I, I, my, my first experience with Godzilla was from a video rental store. And um, I was born in 86, and I remember watching Godzilla films well before the release of Jurassic Park, before I went to a cinema. Um, I, I, it, was, it was very early on for me. And again, it stemmed from that love of dinosaurs, which my father tuned into, and he rented me my first uh, Godzilla film, which was uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla, which absolutely loved i think that that's uh not a spoiler there but um you know the movie uh rental store didn't really have that many other godzilla films there was terror of mechagodzilla there was godzilla versus the thing or godzilla versus mothra however you want to put it um and then there was godzilla 1984 those were the three that they had and i'm pretty sure that my my father just bought those films because he was tired of renting them um incidentally my father is not a kaiju fan he kind really? of uh, yeah he's he's kind of a bit remorseful the path that he set me on <laughs> but um, what have i created 
Yeah, that's exactly his mentality on it. But you know, he takes he, 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 he takes it on the chin. But um, yeah. anyways, uh, I remember watching Godzilla versus Mothra. I wasn't that impressed because at the end of the day, I was a bit angry that a butterfly beat Godzilla. Um, I loved <laughs> I loved Terror of Mechagodzilla. I loved it. I loved Titanosaurus. It was another dinosaur like Godzilla. There's a yeah. robot yes. Godzilla. Yes. How exactly, cool yeah. is awesome. that? laser yeah. eyes um yeah and then there was godzilla 1984 which blew me away i still love that movie and again as an american watching the american cut because we didn't get no we didn't get the japanese <laughs> oh, cut the, and, yeah no we didn't get it like it wasn't released in the united states the united states had an edited cut because you have to think about when this was released during the uh cold war mm. um we got a cut that made the Soviets look a little sketchy. And, um, you know, like a lot of dialogue was altered so that like the Soviets want to nuke Godzilla from, you know, like a ship in the Japanese Harbor. They want to, you know, push that button and away it goes and they bomb Japan and Godzilla along with it. Where in reality, the Japanese cut is, you know, the Russians, you know, they give the option, but Japan says no, and they respect that. And then Godzilla bumps the boat in the Japanese harbor and accidentally sets off this nuclear missile from space. And the Russian guy is trying to abort it, but he kind of dies. So, I mean, like, there's, I mean, like, it's a really interesting film in the political sense. Of course, none of this even remotely popped up on my radar when I was watching it before I was even seven years old. And, yeah. but, but for the original 1954 Godzilla movie, the Godzilla 1984, 1985 return of Godzilla, it has a couple of different titles now, but that film was meant to be a direct sequel. And it's also meant to be a, uh, you know, like an, essentially a remake of that original film. The film stories, a reporter who gets on the trail of Godzilla they have to come up with a new and inventive way of getting rid of him because the conventional means are not working, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, in the end, spoiler, they drop him into a volcano. And that kind of seals things up for a few years. But the original 1954 Godzilla, Gojira, um, I remember watching that. I think it was around 12 or 13 when I actually got that Um I just, I loved it because it was the movie that came before one of my original movies. Like, you know, it was the original and it tied it all together. And I finally got all that piece together, like the whole, the whole plot. And then, you know, in a sense, it was very similar to the movie that I liked because the Godzilla movies that I liked were the darker ones. Because, I mean, like Terror of Mechagodzilla, it may be Showa, but it's dark. Oh, it's very dark. Yeah. Um. Godzilla versus Mothra, it's a butterfly, but that movie, when you think about it as an adult and you just sit back and look at the plot, it's, pardon me, it's dark. Mm. I mean, not as dark as some, but it is still dark. And then Godzilla 19... No, no, it does have dark tones, definitely. And then Godzilla 1984, 1985, I mean, I don't even think that there's a shot that occurs during the day in those movies. I mean, well, yeah, there is, now that I think about it, but it's just like, that is a dark, 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 dark film. But, um... You know, I like I like those films where Godzilla is definitely the bad guy. 
or definitely, you know, like something that should be feared and respected, something that people know that they are not going to win against. That's why, I mean, like, Shin Godzilla was a big hit with me. Um, the design's great. The movie's great. I mean, it, it's 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 a great satire film. Um, but uh, yes, it, it's, it is, yeah. If you've ever worked for a corporate company, the amount of paperwork to get anything done is just staggering. And when I saw this movie that was essentially about people that could have stopped Godzilla in the early stages, but because of paperwork and approvals and all the nonsense that goes with it, Godzilla is allowed to metamorphize, you know, to grow into this giant, unstoppable death machine. And then, you know, like, they're like, right, screw it. We're just going to go and do our own thing and pray that this works. But, um, my growing up, like, like every, you know, like a lot of folks, um, it grew, I started out with video rental stores. And like I said earlier, you know, just going to the video stores, just kind of trying to hunt down these films, you know, and link them all up because it was ages and ages before I even knew like the proper order that they were in. Um, I think some of the films after those first three that I picked up were, um, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster or Godzilla vs. Ebra, which is great. Um, for those yeah, of you who, yep. who who may not be, you know, fully versed in this stuff, uh, it's Godzilla versus a giant lobster. And it is absolutely brilliant. Um, the start of the movie, I mean, like, it's a dancing competition. I mean, like, you know, like it's awesome. Oh, um, that, that that dance hall scene's bizarre. Alex. It is my dream to someday win a two-day dancing competition like that. Come on. But, um, and then the other one. It was obviously all the rage back then. Yeah, but um, the, the other Godzilla film that uh, my father got, and this, like, it, it absolutely, I mean, this was a major rift in our family. I remember being grounded for arguing about this film. It was King Kong versus Godzilla. Wow. Oh, yeah, I can see that dividing a family that was a major rift so my father and my brother were both firmly in the belief that kong won that fight and i just would not give up the fact that godzilla can breathe underwater kong was running away he comes back in the film afterwards kong didn't have any other films godzilla won that fight guys nope 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 it says and it says the end of the film kong victorious no godzilla and, you know, it's just like they knew exactly how to rub me the wrong way with that film. I'm going to say that there were other uh, kaiju films that were in my formative years. Um, my brother, um, he didn't necessarily stay on the wagon, but um, he uh, he really liked the Gamera films. And I have nothing against the Gamera films. He loved the Showa Gamera films. Uh, Gamera versus Gauss was his favorite. And, yeah. um, yeah. And then, uh, the original Gamera, the invincible came out. Um, it, it's really kind of a shame. He never really quite made it into the nineties Gamera films, which were absolutely fantastic. And that's podcast material for another time, but, um, you kind of thought, but you know, like that was another thing, you know, like a great little bonding experience. I, I remember Gamera films. Like, I think the reason that, uh, a lot of people stay with Godzilla and don't necessarily, they have fond memories of Gamera and they like Gamera, but maybe not as obsessed because the Showa Gamera films are weird. And if you think Godzilla films were budget, Gamera was budget. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch them, aren't I? Brain-eating space babes is like 
where you can start, Paul. Okay, like two supermodel like space babes abduct children to eat their brains, and Gamera comes to the rescue. You both know Mystery Science Theater three thousand, yeah. That is the plot, yes, dude, and yes. he has to fight a monster with a head that is a mm. knife. I I just think it speaks. Volumes. He does trapeze in that film. It speaks volumes that Mystery Science Theater three thousand only did two Showa Godzilla films: Godzilla vs Megalon, Godzilla vs the Sea Monster. They did every Gamera movie from the Showa era because they were like, "Wow, these are wacky." And they are so okay, they are yeah, so easy to riff over because they're just they they are a joke for themselves. They they're just they are so entertaining. For those but, of uh, us who don't necessarily know who Gamera is, Gamera uh, Dae was the um, film studio, which is kind of a rival to Toho in Japan. Um, I think that they kind of went bought or, or they were kind of went bust or were bought by another company or something. But for a while, they were making Gamera films alongside Toho that was making Godzilla. And Gamera, for the audience members who don't not know, is a giant bipedal turtle, kaiju, with prominent tusks who can curl up into his shell, spout flames from his arms and his legs when he's all tucked up, and fly. And he's also quite intelligent, and he can fly in space, just so we're aware, and he is the friend to all children. Yes, he is the friend to all children, uh, but only the friend to badly dubbed children. That is not a marketing thing, by the way. That is expressly said in the films. I mean, like, you can't watch a Gamera film and not have a good time. I think one of the th- I think one of the things about the '90s era Gamera's that I mean, like, everybody's like, "Wow, these are so much cooler than the original ones," and it's just like, "Yeah, but did we really remember the original ones and love them so much because they were cool?" <laughs> not really but um gamera was a big thing and then when i was growing up the original king kong was a huge thing um we kind of did a practice podcast uh, earlier in the week which may or may not ever see the light of day but um i uh i went into detail about my love of king kong now do i believe that kong will beat godzilla in 2020 he better not I will be so disappointed. I bring. I mean, going back to that like bitter argument with the other two men in my immediate family. I mean, like Godzilla better win because that is that is my salvation. That is my end to this argument. At least it's one for one. I don't. I. I don't think they can let either of them win. Well, I mean, what is, it's got to be a draw, oh, right? You know, what is this like a Freddy versus Jason? Malarkey? No, no, no. I think. I think. I think that they're setting up Destroyer, and I think. Godzilla's gonna go nuclear or get yeah, sick it'll be or like something. Batman versus Superman. It, someone will say someone else's name and they'll bond. Mothra. Why did you say that yeah, name? <laughs> but um, no, I mean, like, I, 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 I think we all know in our hearts that Godzilla will win that fight. But it's just like I know, I know he would win, but I don't think the studio would allow him to hurt Kong. Well, you see, like the thing is, though, is like the Skull Island Kong, you know, it isn't really my Kong. My Kong, the one that I love, is the 1933 Kong. And I do enjoy all the other Kongs because Kong is a very different type of kaiju than what you get in the Japanese cinema. I mean, ironically, 
as far as kaiju are concerned of cinema kong is like the granddaddy of them all he kind of inspired this whole genre because if you, if you go back yeah. and like in interviews with the original creators of godzilla it was beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms and king kong which really inspired them to do a monster picture and um it, it, and you know godzilla was done in a suit you know for budgetary reasons but initially they wanted to do stop motion animation like kong and the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms but um my kong the one that i envisioned you know like f- for me he's kind of like the indiana jones movie of the kaiju universe because what you've got is a ragtag group of explorers of folks that go into this island and they find an ancient civilization, they find dinosaurs, they find this ancient godlike creature that, you know, has intelligence, that can empathize with humans, that doesn't exactly respond well to the modern era. And I mean, like, it's just, I, like, when you think about it, it's, it's just so fun, like, just that adventure aspect of it. And for anybody who, like, who really loves King Kong, the original 1933 is definitely where I'd start. Um, Peter Jackson's Kong comes the closest after the original to like really honoring that character's legacy. But in my opinion, however beautiful that film is, it's a bit bloated. Um, it's just too long. They added too much. It's it's just heavy. It's just really heavy. It is it is quite bloated, but it is it is. It's good. like trying to watch Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers all in one go. <laughs> and then not watch Return of the King. It's just like, this is just a lot of drama and like, uh, cause I, I'm trying to think cause there's two, the, there's, there's the cut version, isn't there? An uncut. Isn't the uncut about three hours? Oh, it's long. What, it is like, quite Three long. hours of King Kong. Alex has clearly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure yeah there's there's a, so there's much. Very long version. Well, it, oh. Peter Jackson went into cinema because of his love of King Kong. And when, yeah. he got, he, and when he was given the opportunity to make a King Kong movie, he left no stone unturned. And I mean, like, if I was given the opportunity to make a film and they said, whatever budget you need, we have total faith in you, just go for it. I would probably end up making a film that was too long and had too much in it. It's not a bad film. I'm going to say that right now. It's a very good film. But it can be a bit long. Actually, funny story, now that it's just come to mind. My mother actually sat down and started watching um, Peter Jackson's King Kong last Christmas that we spent with her. And we got up to about 20 minutes from like the end of the film or whatever. I don't know necessarily how long it was, like the actual duration. But it got to the point where he started climbing the Empire State Building. And my mom is like, he's not going to die, is he? (laughs) Oh, no. My mom doesn't know shit about these films. But anyways, it was just like, Mom, this doesn't end well for Kong. And she's just like, I can't watch the rest of this. Turn it off. I'm like, you can't get to this point in Peter Jackson's King Kong two hours and like whatever many minutes later and not watch the end. She's just like, watch me. So she got up and just started cooking. But it was just like, oh, Mom, it's Kong. I have have (laughs) the same effect when I tried playing uh, Beowulf of my mum. And um, she was really upset that Grendel died. And it's like... Which Beowulf film? Which Beowulf? Um, I think it was the more recent sort of CGI'd one, really strange looking one. Who was the main actor? Um, oh, maybe about 
six years ago. Was it the Was it the one where Angelina Jolie is his mother? Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Is, yeah. Oh, that that one. is quite a strange film. I mean, very, like, it, very strange. visually visually striking, but very strange. Yeah. But um, I was just say, going back to that point. The original Kong is where you need to start. Um, and then um, there is an artist and writer named Joe DeVito. And Joe, he's he's the only person who has actually gone to the Marion C. Cooper estate. Marion C. Cooper is the guy who actually came up with Kong. A lot of people associate Willis O'Brien with Kong's name because he's the one that puppeted that little uh, stop-motion character in the film. But Marion C. Cooper is the person who came up with Kong and you know got that story going and joe devito went to the original estate and said i would like to make an actual authorized sequel to this and they said yes and they approved everything he did now joe devito came up with a pre-story a backstory of the actual civilization why like why are there ruins on skull island when there are dinosaurs how did they build those buildings or like where did this relationship with kong come from like he covers all of that and it is absolutely incredible. And the really amazing thing that I am looking forward to, like nobody's business, is Joe's Kong is actually getting a televised live action series. And that is really going to be something to see. And it's going to be a treat for kaiju fans, really. But um, I, it, we don't really know if it's going to be the civilization before or just during or, you know, like wh- where it's going to really encompass Kong. But um, to give a bit of a spoiler, um, Kong species isn't naturally occurring. They were bred by this advanced civilization and they were bred, you know, as pack animals, as and, and like the Olympics, like um, they kind of had like Kong Olympics and wrestling matches where, you know, you would pit your Kong and it was the breeding and the training that everybody loved. It was kind of like boxing only on a more epic scale. And um, the island... And the island chain where this civilization, you know, was flourishing, um, the islands were volcanic. And, you know, you, after I say that, you kind of know where it's going. But um, they and their Kongs have to vamoose and they get blown to what becomes Skull Island, where there are dinosaurs and stuff like that. And it's actually a group of Kongs that um, managed to, like, help them establish a footprint on this island. And it's uh, it's really interesting because again, and, and like also some of the Kongs like they don't necessarily because Kongs are intelligent, they don't like being pack animals and stuff. And some of them go feral, and you know there's also the problem of like the feral Kongs that don't like humanity versus the Kongs that are sticking with the humans and the interactions just between the Kongs. Um, it, it's it's a really great story. And the other thing that Joe's done, uh, I'm getting well off topic here, but the other thing that Joe's done is he's actually uh, done tie-ins with other franchises. So there's a King Kong versus Tarzan, which isn't as crazy as the title would make it seem. It actually fits. Actually, Yeah, it does sound a little crazy. No, no, no. It actually fits really well. Even the time periods line up because Tarzan is a Victorian-era hero, you know, like yeah. 1920s, 1930s. And um, there is a Doc Savage tie-in that he did. And both of those are actually really good and really well written. And they all work within this universe that Joe has created. But, you know, like Joe DeVito is the author and his Kong is called Kong King of Skull Island. 
not Kong Skull Island, which is the MonsterVerse Kong. But uh, for kaiju fans looking for something a little indie, with an indie feel, I guess, uh, go look for that. It's really good. But I love that kind of like adventure feel to it. And I, th- I, I blame Kong for that. And then another formative years uh, film that I really enjoyed was uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, which is a guy in a suit. It's a strange beast, so I'm counting it, folks. But um, anyways, uh, again, you know, like you have these adventurers going into like a strange area of the Amazon, you know, like an unexplored region, and they find this throwback that turns out to be more intelligent or more than they could bargain for. And in, in a sense, Creature from the Black Lagoon is very similar to Kong. Because it's that interaction with modern humans, you know, like it's not necessarily like he was bothering anybody. He was getting along just fine. And then human beings tried to meddle with him, tried to bring him out of his element. And that's where things went pear-shaped. We need to we need to pool all our knowledge of these kind of films that were that all came about of that time because actually the more you mention it, Joe, the more I can remember just tons of those films that don't really kind of have any it's like I'm not sure where they sit, but there's just absolutely loads of films with an island where people go and there's a civilization like and it's vaguely Atlantis themed and there's a giant spider and there's a giant whale and yeah, it's it's a trope and it's there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I yeah, there must have been so many. I remember staying up late and watching these monster films, but I can't remember the names no. of any of them. I've um, probably got all of them. <laughs> yeah. Because actually, it is almost time to wrap up, and uh, we did have a plan that we we're going to do the if nothing else. Yeah, do you want to so, introduce that? So this section of the podcast, so we all we're going to be talking about lots of things here, and this podcast it, it is not for the people who are academic in their knowledge of the kaiju fandom. Okay, we are here to have fun. But if you like or you're interested by anything that we say, we're going to do this thing at the end of each podcast, and it's if nothing else, and we're going to say, if nothing else, check this out, or if nothing else, remember this name, and it's something that you can go and research or look at or, you know, like, find and investigate further after the podcast so that you can enrich your enjoyment of this genre. So with that, I I will go ahead and do my if nothing else. Um, If nothing else on this podcast, and I've already done it, but check out Joe DeVito or DeVito Artworks kong king of skull island you won't be disappointed and there's something there for everybody there is like i said a series coming out there are large books with beautiful artwork there are comic books there are novelizations it's fantastic and i think mezco toys just did a figure of joe devito's king kong so i'll pass it off to you alex yeah, for myself, I am going to say, if nothing else, check out uh, BFI, which is the British Film Institute. That was how I discovered Gojira. And they are a non-for-profit charity that basically promote all kinds of world cinema and preserve old copies of classic films. That's BFI, British Film Institute. And if you subscribe to their Facebook page, they just constantly circulate really quirky films that I would never have heard of had I not subscribed. So yeah, give them a check out. Mr. Paul? No, I didn't even know that. That's a good idea. Um, and I'm going to say, um, I'm going to recommend actually that people watch my first experience of Godzilla, the um, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, so they can see what it was then and what it's about to be now when 
the big budget comes out in a few months. That's a brilliant suggestion. I like that. Yeah. Very well, good. thank you, thank you, gents. It's been an absolute delight. Um, it's pretty much time to sign off, isn't it? That it is. I think so. Yeah. Sorry to leave you all, but tune in for our next podcast. And uh, as always, keep it kaiju, folks. Kaiju Curry House is part of the Heroes Podcast Network and produced by UK Kaiju. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe at heroespodcast.com or on the various podcast services such as Apple iTunes, Google Play, or just about any podcast app. If you want to get involved with the show, please tweet us at UKKaiju, and check out ukkaiju.com for the latest news, events, and kaiju thoughts from all of us. Thanks for listening. When we made our new McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets, you were praise hands emoji. Then we ran out, and you were screaming tears emoji. Now they're back, so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com.